a seat. Man, I missed you guys last week. I uh, wasn't, wasn't here, was that? Um, <laughs> Jimmy, tell you what I was doing last Wednesday night? I had to go to a conference. I had to go to a conference in West Palm Beach, Florida. Sounds like torture, right? So last Wednesday night, when you guys were uh, sitting in here for Greenhouse, I was praying for you, but the place I was praying for you is pretty significant. I was praying for you sitting on the beach, watching the waves roll in, me and Jesus were hanging out, and I was talking about you. So even on the beach, in West Palm Beach, Florida, I'm still sitting there thinking about you people. Um, you, you mean the world to us. Uh, and so I'm excited to get to be here with you. I wish we were all at the beach together, but that's, that's the next trip. That's like in, what, two weeks or something? We're all going to the beach together? You coming with me? It's going to be fun. Beach breakaway. You're not coming? Well, that's sad. Okay, anyway, our, uh, our, 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 tonight, what we're going to do, we're going to continue in that EXO series that we've kind of been doing on and off again, focusing on, on love and what that means and what that doesn't mean. And so, you know, a couple weeks ago, we challenged you to, uh, to pray about your, your dating life because, like, God cares about you and everything about you. And um, so we talked about that. And so maybe some of you started praying for your dating life, and that's cool. Tonight, um, we are going to... Uh, try to get you a, a better definition of what love is. And to do that, we're going to have to unpack some things that culture has told you um, and lied to you about to, get, to even get to a point where you're going to be willing to maybe accept a different definition for love. Because if you change your definition for love, it's going to change the way you live. It's going to change the way you treat people. It's going to change the way you have friends. It's going to change your marriage. It's going to change your kid's life. If you can get a biblical definition for love. Our culture is obsessed with love. Man, like every, every day, I mean, every song, every commercial, like somebody is, I mean, like giving you a picture of what love is, is supposed to be. It's in every movie, every song you listen to, there's this component. And in that, there's this understood definition of what love is that, that's just wrong. Like in every, every, everything that your culture tells you about what love is and what it's not and the way it's portrayed, it's, it's something, but it's, 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 it's not love. And in every example, it pretty much happens, it's, it's, it's portrayed as something that you have no choice and, and no control over, right? That, that love is just this thing that just, just happens to you. And when it does, when it, when it happens to you, you like lose the reins on your life somehow. That's what we talk about, again, getting swept off your feet, this thing happens to you, like love comes crashing in and, and you locked eyes with somebody in math class, right? And all of a sudden it's just love at first sight. I, man, I really didn't want to love that dude, but we locked eyes in math class, so love at first sight. This, you didn't choose it, it just happened to you. And when it does, it just like sweeps you up off your feet and everything is just completely out of control in your life. It's just almost not your own anymore because you're in love, Right? That's what we talk about. That's why we talk about um, falling in love. Like you're told you're supposed to fall in love. Like that's the way it's supposed to work, right? Like that. Like that, that's your dream. You want to fall in love with somebody. You don't. You never fall intentionally, do you? Like one time, one time Jessica was walking down the hallway in our high school carrying that giant backpack you people have to carry around, and she tripped and she just went like horizontal in the air. I was standing there. It was incredible. Like she tripped. Slow-mo, landed flat on her tummy, right in the middle of the hallway. You don't fall intentionally. But I want to fall in love. I want to fall in love. I want this thing to just happen to me that I have no choice over whatsoever. I'm sweep, be swept off my feet. 
That's that Ed, Ed Sheeran song, you know, that perfect. They've got the. Because uh, we were just kids when we fell in yeah. love, not yeah. knowing what it was. Yeah. I will not give you up yeah. this time. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for that. Darling, just kiss me. <laughs> now go back, go back. I don't want to talk about Brad Pitt yet. Go back. Because we were just kids when we fell in love. Like Superman. We didn't even know what it was yet. I don't even know what love is, and I fell in it. That's weird, Ed Sharon. And I love that you all know that song and you love that song. And I, I printed out the lyrics. You sing that song hardcore, right? If you're dating, the two of you sing it in the car together until you get to this part down here where it says, she shares my dreams, the hope that someday I'll share her home. I found a love to carry more than just my secrets, to carry love, to carry children of our own. And you're like, <clears throat> yeah, cool. <laughs> Ed Sheeran fell in love and didn't even know what it was. I want to fall in love. I want a perfect thing. I want to sing the Beyonce duet version of that song with my husband. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. In fact, in fact, like what culture tells you about love, this is what you've been taught. Like you've been, you, you, like you've been taught this, that you're supposed to fall in it. It happens to you. You have no control over whatsoever. And when it happens to you and you're waiting for it to happen to you, God, it's today my day. Like when it happens to you, locking eyes in math class, you, you, have, you have no choice over who it is. That's another thing that like your culture tells you, that, that you don't even have a say in who it is. It's best summed up in this line that shows up in Pinterest sometimes, that, that you don't choose who you love. You don't choose who you love. Love chooses you. What? <laughs> That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, go, go. Brad Pitt's dumb. Like, how is that working out for him? Yeah. I don't know. I don't even know, man. Like, what are you talking about? That's how culture tells you it's supposed to work. Think about this, think about this, think about this. Listen, don't miss this. This might be the only thing you remember tonight. Think about this. Love, it just happens. It chooses you, you don't choose it. You don't know when it's coming. It can strike at any moment. And once it hits, you lose all control. And when it's over, it's just gone. That doesn't sound like love to me. That sounds like a stomach bug. <laughs> and if your definition of love sounds a whole lot more like a virus, then you need a better definition of love. Right? Like, it just happens. <laughs> you never choose it. It chooses you. You don't know when it's coming. It strikes at any moment. Once it hits, you lose all control. And when it's over, baby, it's gone. And thank good it's gone. <laughs> Thankfully, God's word is a whole lot more helpful than your culture. So I'm telling you, I've been in love for a long time. It's different than like. 
And what we're going to do tonight, we're going to distinguish between like and love because those are totally different things. If your definition of love sounds a whole lot more like a stomach bug than it does what the Bible has to say about love, then you need a better definition of love. Mark chapter 12, Jesus gives us the, the greatest commandments. We're going to look at several passages tonight. Mark, Mark chapter 12, we got, we got one of these. So the, the second greatest commandment, what Jesus says, he, he tells you, you should love your neighbor as yourself. Other places in Scripture, it just says it even more plainly. It says, love your neighbor as yourself. Just an explicit command. There's not an if, there's not a, there's not a hopefulness to that. It's like, hey, if you're going to be my follower, if you're going to be a believer, if you're going to trust and you're, if you're going to trust Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, you're going to love God with everything you've got, and you're going to love your neighbor as yourself. That's the two marks of what it means to be a Christian. Everything else, the, the Bible says everything else falls under those two categories. If you get everything else, and you can put everything under those two headings, to love God with everything you have, and to love Love your neighbor as yourself. Question, do you agree that that is wise and good? To, to, like, like even if you're not a Christian in the room yet, do you agree that it is a wise and good thing to say that, you, that all of us should love our neighbors as ourselves? Of course you do. Of course you think that is wise and good. I mean, like, you think that that's the way that culture is going to hold together. Like, if we're good to each other, then it's going to be okay. And you're, you're right. Because every other rule you can come up with can pretty much be summarized. I mean, if we just love each other well, if we love each other like we love ourselves, then we're going to be just fine. But, but notice, um, that's a command. And, and can, can you command an emotion? Because culture told you love's an emotion. It just happens to you. It's a feeling. Love is a feeling. I feel this thing. It's just a feeling. Sometimes feelings come, feelings go. When the feeling goes, you get to walk away. Some of your parents had a feeling, and the feeling went away. They walked away. If love is an emotion, can, can you command an emotion? Be sad! You can't be sad. Like, like, like the, don't worry, be happy. What am I supposed to do with that? It's a stupid song. Just because a song tells me to be happy, I mean, I'm going to be happy, right? Like, I, I, like, we read articles, it's like, if you just smile for 30 minutes a day, you'll be happier. What are you talking about? Like... <laughs> I feel it, man. No, dude, you can't command an emotion. But Jesus is over here commanding you to love people the same way as, as well as you love yourself. How is Jesus commanding you to love people if love is just an emotion? If that's all it is, it's a feeling that you feel for somebody. It comes, it goes, it hits you like a stomach bug. Like if, it, if that's all it is, it's just an emotion. Then how in the world is Jesus commanding you to do it? Well, it's not. He's not commanding you to have an emotion. He's commanding you to do something. You command people to do something. You say things like jump. That makes a whole lot more sense than be sad, right? If somebody commands you to jump, you know how. If somebody commands you to be sad, you cannot do that. If somebody commands you to love, you can. You can do that. You absolutely can so it, cannot, it, can't, it can't be an emotion. So the first and main thing I want you to hear tonight is that, is that the call, the command to love your neighbor as yourself, it's, it's primarily a set of behaviors that you can choose to engage in or choose not to. Love is a behavior. Love is a choice. Love is an action that you choose to engage in or choose to withhold. And often it's at the antithesis of the feeling. Because it, just, it just is. Most of us hear, the problem is that most of us hear love and what we mean is like. Right? That's the heart of the problem. 
So if, if your definition of love is just stronger like, then that's wrong, okay? Hear that real, like embed that in your soul, okay? Like if, if love to you means stronger like, it, your definition's wrong. Because I like all kinds of stuff. I, I really do. And sometimes we just, our, our language, we say that we love things that we really just like a lot. Like I say I love coffee, but I, I don't. I, I, I like coffee so much it hurts sometimes. Um, but, <laughs> but, I mean, just being real. Like, it's, it's different. So if, if, if we, need, we have to be able to distinguish between love and like. Jesus didn't say like your neighbor. Some of your neighbors are jerks. You don't have to like them. You don't. You can think they're huge jerks because they are huge jerks. You don't have to like them, but you do have to love them. Love does not mean stronger like. Like when you're in middle school, you get the nerve to go tell that little boy or tell that little girl that you like them. Do you have that moment? You got so flushed that you thought you might just like burst a blood vessel in your face. You know, like you couldn't blush any harder and you walk up and you're like breathing hard and you look like you just like ran a half marathon and you're like, uh, uh, Jessica, I got to tell you this thing. I've been practicing how to say it for like three years. Um, Ever since I first saw you in uh, second grade English, or we don't have English, uh, social studies, (laughs) whatever you do in second grade, you know, Ever, ever ever since I first saw you, and social studies, man, I just knew. And I, I just, I'm standing here before you, just a you know, boy talking to a girl, and I, just, I, I, need you, I, I need you to know, I like you. <laughs> and the tears flow. You know, like it's this moment, right? And it, you get an honor to tell somebody that you like them. And what you mean is that you have an affection towards them, right? And what you want to know is, <laughs> do you like me too? And if they don't, your ego's crushed. And if they do, your ego soars. All of a sudden, you feel valued and you feel affirmed and you feel like a, like a rock star because she or he likes you back. Well, really, she or he just likes the fact that you like them. And you just are really enamored with the fact that you like each other because both of you feel super affirmed by the fact that somebody likes you. So I'm going to keep doing everything I can to make you like me so you'll like me so that it serves me because I'm really excited about me because liking is all about me. Me liking coffee, who does that serve? Me. You liking that little boy or that little girl, having that affection towards them, you enjoy being around them. It, it's, it's about your enjoyment and your joy. And then even their liking of you feeds your ego, and it's all about making you feel more important. So you, keep, you, you may engage in a set of behaviors that show care and show concern, but most of the time, most of the time you're engaging in a set of behaviors not because you're trying to love them and serve them like loving your neighbor. Instead, you're just trying to keep them liking you because you want to keep being affirmed. Liking is self-serving. It is. Now, I'm totally okay with the fact that you like being around some people, and you like people, and you have all kind of emotions toward people, but I, I, don't, I don't want you to have a middle school kind of marriage. And I don't want you to have a middle school marriage where it's just based on you liking them and them liking you back, and the only reason you're good to each other is because you just want them to keep building up your ego. Those marriages don't work. I don't want you to have a middle school marriage. 
So these actions, like there, there is an action, but if the action is motivated by self-service, it's just like, it's not love. So let's get a better definition for love. Um, let's, let's put these other passages on the screen. First John 4.10, there's a verse one up there. Uh, it says this, it says, this is love. That, that's a, that, you know, that predicates a definition here. This is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us with an action. He loved us with the action of sending his son to be, I know, I know you don't know what that word means. That means the sacrifice for, to, the, the stand in, the, to, stand in the, to stand in the place of where we were supposed to be punished. He, he put himself in the place of where we were supposed to be. All right, that's what that means. Took your place. So he, the definition of love isn't that you did something toward God, but that God did something towards you. He took an action towards you, an action that was selfless, an action that was, was, not, was not at all in, for his benefit, but for yours. So love, love in this case is self-sacrificing to the point of death. That's the, that's the picture of love that you've been giving. It's self-sacrifice to the point of death when God didn't get anything out of it. He just loved. He wanted for your good. He wanted, he wanted to come for you because he deemed you valuable. So he sacrificed himself for you, not because he liked you, it doesn't matter if he liked you or not. The next one, he says, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. There's no, so he's saying, there's, there's no better way to express love towards anyone, even your friends. Like your friend group, there's no better way for you to express love to anybody than, than literally like laying yourself down. That means like laying down before them, like putting yourself like at the lowest possible position before someone else. Not where you're doing things to trick them into liking you to make you feel good about yourself. Or you're just self-sacrificing, you're serving, you're, you're caring, you're taking care of someone because you choose to. Not because of what they're doing, but because you're choosing to. It's not contingent upon what, they, what they're doing. The next one says the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You should love your neighbor as yourself. Everything else, everything else just gets, gets subjugated under this one idea of loving your neighbor as yourself. So this is, this is kind of this definition that, you know, it's not, it's not like the Bible wrote it out. This is, this is our working definition for love for tonight. Maybe you want to jot this down. All right, maybe you want to like type this out or whatever. So love, love is a commitment. Love is a commitment to serve, care for, sacrifice for and live for someone else. Love is a commitment to serve, care for, sacrifice for, live for someone else. It's a whole lot bigger than like. It's the exact opposite of what the world tells you to do. It's exactly what Jesus did for you. So if, if, your, if your definition of love does not look at all like what Jesus did for you, your definition of love is wrong. And so Jesus defined love for you in the way that he lived his life, in the way that he served you, that God left heaven <laughs> to come and serve you. God left heaven to serve you, to lay his life down for you, to become a servant, like to be a servant, not just wash people's feet, to like, Lay down his life for you. That's the way love looks. That ain't anything to do with that sharing. You don't fall into that. Jesus didn't fall out of heaven and onto a cross. 
It was not unintentional. It was not accidental. It did not just happen to him. He didn't just get swept up in the emotions of, of us and, and end up dying. for No, 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 he chose that. Jesus died, didn't die for you because he liked you. He didn't die for you because he thought you were cute and thought you were cool and thought you had cool hair, okay? He didn't, that's not why he died for you. Just not relevant. He died for you because he chose to, regardless of whether he liked you or not. Listen, um, does, God, uh, <laughs> does God like your sin? No. Does God like um, our faithlessness? No. Does God like our betrayal when we, choose, when we choose the lowliest things, the most sinful things? Does he like it when we choose the most worthless, worthless, worthless things over him? Does he like that? No. So thank goodness God's love isn't like, because a lot of times he doesn't like the things that I'm doing. But his actions weren't contingent on whether he liked me or not. It was contingent on the fact that he chose to love me. Listen, love loves regardless of like. All right, that's basically what those verses are saying. That love loves regardless of like. So like if your parents, I'm assuming here you have good parents and some of you don't, okay? But if, if those of you in the room who have good parents, your parents don't always like you. Fair? You're like, yeah, I'm kind of a jerk sometimes. Yeah, your parents don't always like you. Like, you're grumpy and mean, dude. Like, you say the weirdest, meanest stuff sometimes, right? You are not always likable. One of you is, like, super arrogant, and you're like, I'm always likable. No, you're not. We don't like you being arrogant. Stop it. Like, like you're not that likable sometimes. Sometimes you're adorable. But, like, sometimes you're just not. And hopefully, if you have good parents, your parents love you regardless of whether they like you or not. That your parents are going to work for your good, to love you, like to care for you, to serve you. Like they're still going to take care of you and buy groceries because they love you even when they don't like you at all. And thank goodness for that. It's the terrible parents that, that don't love you and they don't like you. That's an absence of love. For spouses, like godly spouses, they, they don't always like each other. I mean, there's days where me and Jessica just don't like each other like we did in, you know, ninth grade or whatever, 10th grade. Started liking each other 10th grade. I don't know. It was forever ago. Like, we don't, we don't, we don't man, there's, not, there's days where, like, that like isn't the same as it, as it is other, other times. And so do I just stop loving my spouse? Do I stop caring for my, my wife when the, when the like isn't there that day? Man, I hope not. So love, love loves regardless of like. Godly spouses, they're, they're committed. They're committed to choose to do this action regardless of how they feel about it in that moment, in that day. They're doing what 1 John 4.10 says. They're doing what that says. They're, they're, they're like spouses who are committed to love one another regardless of how they feel about it in that moment. What they're doing is trying to emulate Jesus who served, who cared for, who loved regardless of how he might have felt about it in the moment because we know how he felt about it. When Jesus was in that garden praying, looking ahead to what's coming, knowing that he's about to be nailed onto a cross and take all of our sin upon himself, he was not excited about that. He was not enamored by that picture. But he chose to go to the cross anyway. Love loves regardless of like. So look, if you're dating, this changes the kind of people you, you look for. 
If, you, if, you're, if you're dating and, and you're just pursuing like, where, where you're going to have somebody who likes you back and it's, it's kind of self-serving, then the, the kind of people you look for in that, kind of, in that kind of scenario where you're just looking for somebody to like, you're going to choose the cutest person who makes you laugh, who's also as popular as possible. You're going to try to find the, most, the cutest person who's as popular as possible, and hopefully they're funny and not incredibly boring. But if they're incredibly boring, it's fine as long as they're popular enough, right? And if you find somebody who's a little bit more popular, a little bit cuter, maybe if they're both, you get, you like, you like, man, you found like a whole new like, gear or something in life. Maybe you got cuter, right? And you're like, man, I need to upgrade. I need to get somebody a little bit cuter, a little bit more popular so I can be served by that. And so you, you upgrade, right? Because it's self-serving. Are you going to do that in your marriage? Are you going to upgrade when you find somebody that you just feel a little bit fireier about? I hope not. So what is dating for then? I mean, you're not, you're not going to like, you know, be, have this committed, loving relationship when you're dating. Don't do that. It's weird. Okay? And you can't. You just can't. Until, until that, that marriage is, is, is done and you're in this thing, that the, the commitment's just not the same. It's not. It shouldn't be. So, so in the meantime, what are you looking for? If you're gonna, you're, what you're looking for is somebody that has the same priorities you do, who's trying to love people the same way that you're trying to love people, who's trying to love people the way that Christ loves them. Somebody that you can be compatible with and you can you know, fit with, but somebody's going to love like you. Because if you marry somebody and you're the only person trying to love like Jesus and they're just trying to like you a lot and get something out of you, then that's going to be one-sided, right? That's one of the reasons why we encourage Christians not to marry people who aren't Christians. Because like, if, if I'm going to emulate Jesus in the way that I'm loving somebody, then I'm going to try to lay my life down daily. I'm going to try to lower myself as low as possible to take care of that other person. And if I'm the only person doing that in a relationship, then that means I'm, I'm never going to be taken care of, that I'm always going to be on bottom. Now, God, God, like, God did this. God like, got as low as he could possibly be, died for you. And we both, the beautiful thing about biblical, <laughs> beautiful, uh, biblical marriage is that in, that, in this scenario, there's two people who are both trying to do everything they can to serve, everything they can to care for, everything they can to sacrifice for the other person. So while you're trying to literally lay your life down for someone, someone else is trying to lay their life down for you too. That works. But if you're a Christian and you marry somebody who's not a Christian, who's not trying to emulate Jesus in the way that they love you, you're going to have a one-sided marriage that's not going to work. Don't date people that aren't Christians. Don't marry somebody who's not a Christian. Don't. You're going to end up with a middle school marriage. That's not God's plan for you. There's one last passage that just really drives this home, this, this whole idea, just brings us all together. I know this maybe still feels a little bit kind of like loose and, and, and fuzzy in your head, but Ephesians 5.25, Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for. Husbands. Do this thing. It's a command, right? And then in, in wives, it's, it's the same thing. You, should, you can read the passage. So, so the, the, the Ephesians 5 is talking about wives loving husbands sacrificially, husbands loving wives sacrificially. But this one just nails it down. Like, you're supposed to love your spouse just as Christ loved the church, gave himself up for. So imagine this. Just, just let's, let's just like think about this. Imagine this. I hope you're familiar with the story of Jesus's, um, uh, the, the moments leading up to Jesus' death. 
where he, they, they went out to the garden and they were going to pray. And Jesus kind of, he had his disciples, to, they're supposed to stay and pray. And, and Jesus kind of goes off by himself and he's praying. He's having this conversation with the Father and, and repeatedly he's saying, God, if there's, there's any other way to do this, if there's any other way to take this cup from me, then, then let's do that. If there's some other plan, let's do that because I'm, I'm not particularly excited about this whole, whole, uh, whole thing, but I'm, I'm, I'm committed. I'm committed to love. So let's this, imagine that, that there in the garden, Jesus is preparing to go to the cross. And just imagine him, 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 just like, I want you to visualize it. I want you to see him kneeling down. Like, just imagine like there's like a rock or something. He's like, like leaning down. He's like kneeling over this rock and he's thinking about what he's about to do. He's about to go to the cross. The, the sin of all the world is going to be placed on him. And then the father is going to turn his back. Like he's going to be separated from the father. Like he's going to pay the full consequence for the sin of the world. He knows that's about to happen. And he's just like contemplating what's coming what he was about to die for, for each and every one of us. Do you think, did, did he think I'm dying for them because they're so attractive to me? Did he, did he, did he say, did he, was he thinking, man, I just, I'm, I, I'm just so impressed with them that, that, that I'm going to die for them. I'm going to do this for them because they're just that impressive. Because I just like them that much. I don't know, I don't care how much you like anybody, you're not doing that. No, no, he, he, he thought about the accusers, he thought about the deniers, he thought about the sinners, he thought about your sin, my sin, like he thought about the sin of the world, the way that all of us were going to live our lives and walk away from him consistently and continually betray him, continually prove ourselves to be faithless in the face of his faithfulness. He thought about all of, of that, and he chose to stay. In the face of the conflict, in the face of the struggle, in the face of our ugly, he just chose to stay and to serve, to care for, to sacrifice for. He got on the cross regardless of, of our value. He prayed, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. He laid his life down for you. He loved you, not because you were lovely, but to make you lovely. He loved you, not because you're lovely, but to make you lovely. The scripture calls us to love like that. That's how I'm, I'm, I'm working to try to love Jessica. That's, that's, that's how you can have a marriage that lasts. That's how you can have a deep, lasting friendships. That's how we love. We just love like Jesus. We love not because we were lovely, but to make us love to do everything he could for us, to literally lay his life down. Love is a commitment to serve, to care for, to live for someone else, just like Christ did for you. Why don't you bow your head and close your eyes just for a second. If, uh, our, I think our band, our band, are we playing another song? All right, y'all come on up. All right, so just, I just want you to sit there and think for a minute. Um, I just want you to like, kind of like try to solidify this in your head, okay? So if If you have been pursuing being liked by someone, if, if, if you've been thinking that, that love is this, this emotion that you feel towards someone that comes and it goes, when it goes, you get to walk. Think about the fact, think about this, that, that Jesus loved you. And his love for you didn't come and it doesn't go because he didn't walk, because he stayed. 
that in the moment when he could have walked, when he could have turned his back on you, when the moment when he was facing the, the, when he's facing the cross, he stayed. Love stays like walks. I know we're talking about dating and relationships and all that kind of stuff, but, but really a whole lot more important than that is whether or not you really know that Jesus loves you. And that that love for you is not contingent, does not, it doesn't depend on how good you are, how pretty you are, how lovely you are, because you're not, you're a hot mess. And he knows it and knew it before you were born. He knows the fullness of the sin of the rest of your life, and he is still for you. He valued you enough. He valued me enough to lay his life down, to leave heaven and lay his life down for you. And love like that, I don't know how you walk away from that. God deemed you valuable. Christ died on the cross for you to give you a picture of love, a love that you can follow and a love that you can emulate in your marriage, a love that changes everything, a love that you can, you can use in the way that you love your friends. But first and foremost, it's gotta be a love that you've accepted. You can't love your spouse, you can't love your friends, you can't love your family like Jesus loves you until you've accepted the love that he has for you. Have you ever, have you ever done that? Have you just sat back and, and, and accepted, accepted the truth that Jesus loves you? All your blemishes, all your sin, he loves you. He loves you better than you love you. He loves you in the nights when you think you're worthless, when your life isn't worth living. He loves you perfectly. In those nights, he deemed you valuable enough to die for. When you see no value and no good in you, you okay, you're right. He still sees value in you because he put it there. He made you to love you. He loves you. He died for you. If you've never accepted that, if you've never turned to him and said, Jesus, I, I want to be loved by you. I want to walk with you. I want to accept that. Then, then here, here's, here's what that looks like. That's essentially what it means to be a Christian. So it, means, it means saying, God, I realize that I'm a mess. I realize that I'm sinful. I realize that I'm broken. And I believe that you loved me anyway. You loved me enough to die on that cross for me. I believe that when you died on that cross for me, you were dying for all my mistakes. I believe. I believe that you didn't just defeat my sin, you also defeated death. I believe that you rose from the grave. I believe that you're living still. I believe that I can follow you. Do you believe? Well, if you do, if, if, if you want to know that love, if you want to accept that love, if you want to believe, that makes you a Christian. But until you do, it means you're not. So if you've been trying to pretty yourself up for Jesus, if you've been trying to do all the right things and follow all the right rules and you're not just letting him love you, you got it wrong. You're trying to make Jesus like you. It's not the goal. He already loves you. If you've been striving to follow the rules and do all the right things to make Jesus like you, it's not going to work. He already loves you. Just lean back into it and let him love you. If you've never done that, if you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, if you've never just believed, if you've never accepted that love, then tonight, before you leave this building, my hope is that you walk up to one of your friends who brought you or one of your leaders who's in your small group in a minute and just say, look, can we talk? 
I think I might have gotten this whole Jesus thing wrong. Like, can we, can we talk this thing out? I want you to walk out of here knowing that you've accepted the love of Jesus, knowing that you've been found in him, knowing that you've been forgiven by what he did on the cross, knowing that he, he more than likes you, that he chooses you. Those leaders, your friends, they're here for you. We want you to, we want you to know the love of Jesus like we know him. I'm going to pray for you. Our band's going to lead us. Uh, Father, uh, man, we get that, we get so many messages from our world telling us what love is and what it isn't, and, and God's wrong. And, and I and the rest of us, man, we believe the lie that it's just it's some feeling thing and whatever. But God, you've shown us what love is. You showed us what love was when you sent Jesus. God, we're thankful, blown away by it amazed by it. Worship you for it. Help us to love like you loved us. Help us to love like you loved us. And for those of us in the room who don't know that love, Father, I pray that they would they'd come running to you. They'd lean back into the love that you have for them. That they'd be changed by it and found in it. I pray that they'd talk to somebody tonight. Help us to change our definition of love from what the world says it is to what Jesus did. We love you. Shenzhen, pray. Amen. Why don't you stand with us?